I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, welcome to It's Only a Game, where the rain in Spain resulted mainly in pain for the Lionesses. We reflect on the greatest Women's World Cup so far. Elsewhere, it's six points for City, Arsenal and Brighton, with a six-pointer between Everton and Wolves coming up. Match day three, tragic. Mason's off at United. What? They took Mount off with 85 minutes left on Saturday. Whilst McKenna is still preaching, I can make you win at Ipswich. It was a rude awakening for Bolton, as they shipped four at home to local rivals Wigan. And it's five past in Wrexham, causing Foster's retirement. Something your local Weatherspoon should probably take note of. Europe's back with a bang with more fiery shots from Brits aboard than that awful Hendu in Ayanapa. And Al Nasser are hardly rocking up the Saudi table with Cristiano Amane's man losing to Gerard DFC. And um, Al Tarwoon, wasn't that the chicken man from Toy Story? Anyway, so we are joined by Martin Deck. How are we, gents? Wasn't one of your best, I'll be honest. It was pretty good, I've got to admit, but you've had better intros. But I, yeah, the, the Al's Toy Bomb reference, I was not expecting, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I must I'm, say, uh, I I'm all the better for hearing it. I did, I did fluff part of it, admittedly, but uh, I was quite proud of some of that. I, you know, it's um, all right, I, did, I didn't notice. Could have done, done, done better, could have done better. Um, it's not my best work. Um, it's uh, mid better, better than I've been doing. Mid-table. improvement, you know. It's, a solid, yeah, we'll um, table. solid, solid win, win, win a draw maybe at the first. No, win, win a loss at the first two games. You know, two draws and a push. Enough. I mean, I'm alright. Yeah, about Alice, yeah, good. Anyway, yeah, sound nice one. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, how are we enjoying the football? Are we enjoying the football? It's it's well, uh, it's, never, it's never leaves. Fairly never average leaves start, like far. the podcast. Just average, ups and mm, downs. Fair. Seeing a few more goals oh. than last season, which is nice. Shipping a lot more goals than we were last season, and I'll mm-hmm. emphasise I said shipping there. Um, well, but no, it's yeah. it's uh, obviously good to have have our own team's football back. Obviously, the Women's World Cup has just finished, not the way that we we wanted it to, but still a lot of positives um, to kind of draw from that, which I'm I'm sure we'll go through in great detail, and a lot of um, of other areas to discuss as well. Obviously, the um, the uh, Saudi leagues and so on, and. And an interesting tweet in from one of the listeners yesterday in response to our, our tweet saying, you know, any questions and things like that. Um, basically asking, do we agree that English football is in its worst state ever? So that'll be a, an interesting talking point later we'll on. But yeah, definitely on the whole, to be back. Yeah, Matt. Absolutely. Nice one. I was missing football until, I well, put so we, we watched the Aston Villa-Everton game until half-time and then didn't watch the rest of it. If that yeah. sums up how our the start of my season's currently going. I've enjoyed watching yeah. any game that hasn't involved Everton. That that's been nice. Um seems to be the case for most seasons at the moment, so I'm not gonna lie. But all in all, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's been alright. Nice to have it back. Uh what have we got this weekend? Yeah, I say the Wolves six pointer. Already don't want to watch it and it hasn't even happened yet. Uh quite glad I've got a Saturday afternoon free where I haven't got a straw on the internet for a dodgy stream. Or I'll look for dodgy streams for other things instead to keep my entertainment up. That's the best way. Other providers are available. You'll 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 get you'll get um, the the busies on us. will get arrested because you know you'll be doing some hard time for that. Well, um, put this way: what would I rather watch? Everton get a pounding, or yeah, 
talc everywhere. Talc all over the joint. I'm sorry to lower the tone. I appreciate I've not been on this for a couple of weeks for reasons I'm not quite sure why I've not been. So if you've all missed me, guys, you're welcome. Um, I'm glad to be back. Uh, Up the toffees for the fucking shit. Less than five minutes and we've had That might be a record, might it? Is that, is that a record? No, it's, def- it's definitely record. not a record, but we won't discuss what the record is because that got edited. That got that got edited out. Um, to bring things Did back it? to oh, the of course, to, to put things back into sort of perspective as well. Obviously, with it being only a game. First off, you'll notice we have got the notable omission of Greg. He hasn't joined the Saudi Pro League. Um, contrary to popular belief, failed his medical. Him on his, uh, yeah, allegedly, allegedly pulled something. Um, but. Yeah, Greg has recently become a father for the first time. Um, so congratulations to him and his fiancée on baby Congrats, Olivia, buddy. who was born last Wednesday. So she is absolutely gorgeous. Those of you who've seen the photos on the internet, I'm sure it's done the rounds. Yeah, big um, congratulations. Absolutely congratulations. He wanted to come on tonight, but no. Sorry, mate, you've got too much Yeah, when you're he born. didn't. Anything to avoid got, changing yeah. the nappy, that lad. Shocking. Exactly. Shocking. Oh, yeah. anything, anything. Six-day-old baby already. Very, very yeah. poor. But no, seriously, big back congratulations to, work. A... to them both. Yeah, the congratulations, absolutely, to the pair of them and to all the family, of course. Um, I know Greg's parents, they're absolutely wonderful and they'd be delighted to, to be made grandparents the first time. Um, no, it's absolutely brilliant news. And we, like I say, we congratulate everyone. And yeah, we, we have our first podcast baby. Who's we, next, we gents? <laughs> it's not me. It's and not it me. certainly isn't me. <laughs> hmm. Well, does the dog the football? To puppies, we're not, what, you're we're gonna, not you're going gonna, down. You're going to do it with master. a dog, Christ! <laughs> no. All right, Keith Lard. Keith The man's obsessed. Yes, the dog counted. <laughs> this is Veronica. Bit of a dog. Sorry, no, we can't do this. We cannot sit here and quote Phoenix Knights for the next half an hour. We, we, oh, okay, we, we could. Oh, we, we definitely can. shouldn't. But we definitely should. But we can. Um, no, we're not going to. Burn, no, baby, burn. Disco Inferno. Burn that mother down. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. Aye. Couldn't you hear me right, now? We'll talk, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> anyway, about Bolton later. Um, so. We're Bolton. Right, we're so by think... We're on the piss tonight. <laughs> How far away are they? Jesus Christ. This was the only game podcast. We're now the Phoenix Knights if anyone, podcast. If anyone who's listening who hasn't that. seen Phoenix Knights, just go and watch, watch Phoenix it. Knights. It's, if you can find Please. it online or wherever you want, buy it. It's the best. It's the you best. You can rent my box set for a tenner, yeah. but you're paying it's worth it. to send it back. Well yeah. worth it. Stop, stop listening to this podcast. Stop whatever you're doing. Listen to this. Pause yeah, it. But go watch Phoenix Knights. Us. Come back. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't listen to us. This podcast is sponsored Absolutely. by Phoenix Knights. Coming in your ears. I wish. Surely um, FM, where the listeners come wish first. Really. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, right. Classic. Anyway. Lads, right, football. Yeah, football. There, was, there was a literal World Cup on until Sunday. Um, there was. Of course, you know, it'd be remiss for us to not address the fact that it was genuinely a wonderful tour. I mean, I watched as much as I could, obviously, with being Australia New Zealand. Time differences made it difficult to watch certain games. Um, obviously, the big talking point being... For us as English people, heartbreak for England um, to lose the final. Um, like I say, Matt, and I you know you and I watched the game obviously on Sunday. Dak, you watched it somewhere. Um, what what do we think first of the tournament overall and of England's performances during the competition? Pretty good, weren't they? I mean, obviously, guess the final you've got to play pretty well. Um, yeah, the final itself, you could Spain were the better side. We can't sit here and deny and say they weren't. You know, the missed penalty, they had a few more, more chances than England. But what it's doing, or what they have done with the Euros uh, in last last year, the Euros, um, and obviously the World Cup this year, is is they're creating the next generation of women's football, which I love. It's great. Um, they're a real inspiration. They're a, a, what I like about that England side is they're a likable team. When it's not just you know, it's what I liked about the England side and the men's team as well recently. Um, full of characters, and you saw them all come out in this tournament. You had, you know, every story going into it. You had Lauren James stuff, obviously, with her unfortunate record, and there could have been their redemption angle in the final. Didn't happen, but that you can see their time, you know, will come down the line if it hasn't already, especially when it comes to the World Cup tournament. And it's great. Actually, I didn't watch as much of it as I would have liked to. Um, 
you know, working and that kind of thing. It's, it's always unfortunate. But they've got to be proud of themselves. And, you know, they didn't lose in the final. They didn't get battered. They didn't, you know, didn't lose um, by not, you know, no effort or, you know, determination. They just got beat by the better side in the night. But their time in the World Cup, if it carries on this way, will definitely come in four years' time, I hope. Yeah, I mean, kind of continuing on from what you're saying there, Matt, I think they're breeding for the first time in it. Well, certainly in, in my lifetime as an English squad, they're breeding a winning mentality. Um, and I think kind of you sat there watching them, expecting the result, if that makes sense. And I think, um, you know, I mean, you look at some of the talent that's come through the male national side in, in recent years and over the last sort of 10, 15 years, and you can say, you know, they have massively kind of underperformed. I think obviously the men's team, the Euros final there a couple of years ago, and obviously uh, lost lost in the final, and obviously the women going one better, and then getting into the World Cup final. And I think as a nation, both teams, I think we can say that you know as a as a nation we're, we're very very proud of. And I think what you were saying there about breeding that kind of uh, winning mentality and kind of that next generation of um, of girls playing, I think that's really really important. Um, and as you say, the likability of the squad, there's no, when I say there's no big names, I don't mean it in terms of um, no big names in terms of women's football, but there's no kind of ego with the players. They're, they're very much there for, for one job and one job only. And apart from obviously trying to win games, they're there to really bolster the um, participation in, in women's football, which is fantastic to see at all levels. And I think it's just kind of keeping that snowball, building momentum and, and getting bigger and bigger. Um, not just in England, but but worldwide. I think even between the Euros uh, last year and the World Cup this year, the the standard and quality um, in in general across the tournament, I thought was very very good. Um, obviously, there were a few, as as always, sort of officiating um, VAR moments. But one thing of that that I did quite like um, was the the referee announcing to the crowd what the decision was and the reason why. I feel like that's um, a little bit more effective than just something being displayed upon a board. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, lots and lots of positives. I've I've been fortunate enough, obviously, to be off for the last uh, four weeks. Um, I'm not jobless. I'm a teacher, um, so I've I've been able to watch the vast majority of of the games, and I I really really enjoyed the tournament. Obviously, um, disappointed in the end, but. I think, as you say, Spain were the, the better team on the day. I think first half, maybe England didn't quite do enough to stop Spain playing the way that Spain wanted to, if that makes sense. They kind of, not saying they allowed possession, but they, you know, there wasn't enough trying to kind of break that play down. Um, and I think Spain kind of took the, the deserved lead. Um, the penalty probably was a penalty. If it was against us, we'd want it, want it given. Um, but uh, so then stepping up, I, I was reading today on Twitter. She's the only goalkeeper um, in a male or female World Cup to save a penalty in normal time of a final. So there's there's a little stat for you. Um, but yeah, that's that's my little piece over, Jimmy. Yeah, I think it should be noted um, that this tournament was the first ever 32 team tournament, which. I know when we think about with the men's game, it's par for the course. The fact is expanding again to 46 nations as of the USA, Canada, Mexico, 2026. But when you think about going back to, if any of you remember France 2019, you'd see USA as hot favourites who won the tournament, hammer Thailand 13-0. There was a lot of discussion about the goalkeepers back then. To then expand the tournament and to have not seen, OK, there were a few teams that got a bit of a hammering, I think I'm right thinking Panama got on the end of a hammering, England in one of the performances that I really thought was one of England's better performances, hammering China 6-1, um, I can't remember any of us at the moment now, I think Morocco got battered at one point, but they still got through the group, um, which is phenomenal for their first ever appearance, and of course for a women's footballing nation in the Arab world to have qualified and then to have got through was remarkable and one of the best stories of the tournament for me, real heartwarming story. I think it shouldn't be overlooked, not just success of obviously Spain to win it their first World Cup in the women's game. They're obviously on phenomenal side. Barcelona are a great club side that form a lot of the um, Spanish women's national team. Obviously, we can discuss the Lionesses in England and, and how we feel they got on and, and, and their tournaments, of course, has 
as two Spain and England, two of the hot favourites, two of the, the cluster of nations at the top end, I'd say, going into the tournament. You obviously had the US as um, reigning champions, number one. Germany, who I think were number two, number three in the world. France are always going to be fancied in these kind of tournaments. But, you know, you found the US go out in the last 16, you know, somewhat hilariously to Sweden, who were themselves in their rugs. You saw the Germans go out in the group stage with, with I think, Morocco going up, you know, like I say, advancing instead of them. And you'd see nations like Nigeria, like Jamaica, who Jamaica knocked off Brazil in the group stage. And we saw these things where because because the, with the women's game, the funding's been massive in certain countries, but because it's not a case of like they've had decades and decades and decades of the established elite, we're seeing these nations catch up quicker and we're seeing that gap be narrowed significantly. You know, all you had to do was watch England Nigeria game in the last sixteen and England were incredibly lucky in my opinion obviously the Lauren James red card which was a red card you can't stamp on someone you know just can't be allowed but I think the big story for me is just seeing how many nations were more than capable of handling themselves the fact that the Nigerian FA don't really fund the women's team Bob Marley's daughter whose name I've completely forgotten I'm very sorry who set up a charity foundation to help fund the reggae girls get them over to Amsterdam to do the trading camps and then they got through to the last 16 of the World Cup and nearly knocked out Colombia. They could have played England in the quarterfinals. That's a hell of a story for a nation that receives very little or no funding um, from the national FA to qualify for a second consecutive World Cup to get through. You know, and there's other nations as well. Australia, you know, with Sam Kerr, one of the best players in the world. I think a lot of people recognise her from the front of the EA Sports video games. Um, Australia's a host nation. People weren't expecting that much from them. But they showed with, with some quite frankly, brilliant talents from who play in England that they're a force going forward. And you talk about four years' time about England's chance to win in 2027. Well, no, look no further than Australia, look no further than France, look no further than Sweden, or a load of host nations that are really, really sort of coming up now and not necessarily traditional nations that we'd associate in the men's game. Um, but even the likes of Argentina, they receive no funding from the AFB AFA. You know, the Italian side, who didn't do much, I don't think they'd, they'd done much at all in the women's game. But no, they all looked like they belonged. Um, it may not have been group stage always the best quality. I remember watching, I think, Philippines against Switzerland one early morning, and it wasn't the greatest game. But you know what? For those women, for example, to have sent the Philippines, well, Philippines have never made a World Cup of any description. You know, what an amazing achievement it is for them to be at the World Cup. Likewise, Vietnam. The Vietnamese women got to the World Cup, and okay, they had a group of the USA, Netherlands and Portugal. That's pretty solid. But no Vietnamese team have made a men's or women's World Cup before. It's a remarkable achievement. And, you know, they may have had a few, you know, one side, they just, you know, four or five nil defeats, but they didn't look horrendously out of place to be there. And I think that's the biggest important thing that was a criticism that was levelled at the World Cup four years ago was that there were nations like, for example, Thailand losing 13 nil to the US, like I say. It felt like there was a lot of nations making up numbers. I didn't feel like in this competition, despite the increased number of nations participating, and I think you had seven or eight first-time nations. You know, some got, you know, Morocco got through the group stage. Some held their own massively against more established nations. And I think that's vitally important for the women's game going forward is looking at holistically, not just at those six or seven nations that might win the competition, but how you grow the game generally across the world. No, and on that point, there's it's not as if every game in the men's World Cup is filled with amazing quality and filled with you know goals galore and a great game. You get some in the group stages, you get some bloody turgid stuff. And that's a kind of a worry when it goes to forty six teams, probably on twenty twenty six, is it? Um, that that is going to be the issue. You're going to oversaturate it, and are you going to get the quality that you have from a smaller World Cup? I'll wait and see. But yeah, I agree. It was uh, for what I could watch. I mean, there was watching the final the other day, I think it was before the game and they were doing goals at tournament, there was some unbelievable strikes um, I forget which one it was, there's one where it was in the box was it Brazil player, I can't remember there was a Colombian a goal wasn't there Columbia in, one. in the group stage, it was a hell of a finish quick feet, quick feet in the box and a top score, it's an it, amazing amazing goal um, and yeah, I'm hoping it's, it's a real marker for this is what the game can do when it's allowed to do what it does essentially um, and back to my earlier points, you want to see that next generation of, of kids coming through, who well, girls in particular, who are looking at the sport, are seeing the, the girls that are playing at the moment and want to look up and be the next. 
know, Chloe Kelly or wherever else, if I use an example. And that's great. That's that's what you want. You want as much participation in, in, in grassroots and for uh, girls' football, women's football as possible. And that's can only be a good thing that this tournament has done. Yeah, and I think that's vitally important. I mean, the gap between obviously the Euros last year and the Women's World Cup this year is kind of a real incentive in terms of that it's very much in the limelight of everyone's kind of news feeds, Twitter, everyone's word of mouth, etc. It's it's what everyone's talking about. And I think in in years gone by, um, certainly tournaments that as a nation we've hosted, for instance, the 2012 Olympics, where the legacy just didn't quite happen for whatever reason you know all of the things that we, we were kind of promised and facilities and funding and whatnot but this this kind of feels different um and i i mean i'm i'm really excited as i've said before and, and you know yourselves lads i'm i'm a teacher myself um at primary level um and i'm i'm kind of responsible for all of the, the school sport and pe and um, that are still providing and starting to to work across quite a few schools and i think it will be interesting to see um, as of September, when all the different kind of opportunities from the, the local authority and um, and from the professional clubs, obviously, that are near to the school that I work, to see whether there is kind of a, a sharp increase in the number of opportunities um, offered to 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 girls um, at, at that age. Obviously, girls can play still um, in terms of like mixed sides, but last year we were starting to see kind of an increase in, in exclusive um, girls football events, which... In, in a way, kind of, for those who were a little bit unsure or didn't know whether they wanted to try it or the confidence or whatnot, we were getting more wanting to because it was kind of like a protected bit of a safe space. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what the next 12 to 18 months bring as well. Um, just while we're on that point, I, I know I, I said to you um, earlier on before we actually started recording about that kind of next generation and, and other things that we can do to kind of support that. Um, and allow that to happen. Obviously, there's been a lot of media coverage about um, Nike and their lack of willingness, maybe, for want of a better word, to, to want to stock um, the England women's... Planning as well. Uh, and planning, yeah. Now, there the has been... Mary Epps herself put something up before, which was something along the lines of... It wasn't an apology, but it was probably as close as an apology as you were going to get from like basically saying that they took their eye off the ball and they'll look to do better for future tournaments, etc., my view on it is probably a little bit harsher in terms of personally myself i think the fa for both the men and women teams respectively they should have pulled the sponsorship deal of nike immediately and they should have played just in a blank white kit or whatever they you know whatever they could get their hands on for the world cup and took the fine from nike because there's no shortage of money at the FA in terms of, you know, paying off, let's say, another two years on the deal, whatever's on there. I'm really made a holy show of them because what's going to happen now is a kind of a, a double-edged sword, is that the, the saying, or a double whatever, whereby yeah. Nike will start to stock the shirts, which is brilliant for the children who want to go out and buy them. But there's now also been a massive demand created for them therefore nike are just going to cash in on something that actually they should have been providing anyway if that makes sense so in nike almost failing um, and it you know it wasn't just england we must say that they have you know other other nations obviously sponsored by nike they they were the same but they're now just going to go off and go well this is what the customers want let's you know put them on the shelves and they'll be you know all sold out within a couple of days or whatnot and then nike sit there on another healthy profit on the back end of something that person and I think I mean speaking on your behalf lads but I think it's an absolute disgrace that wasn't an option in the first place you know that they're happy enough to put the, the logo on everything else and flog everything else to people in between tournaments and in the in you know during tournaments as well um, and for them to not to do that it's just bizarre it really doesn't make any sense and it's not just because it's England if that was any other nation I'd be saying the same um, I, I do think that the FA should have stepped in and they should have just walked away from them and gone right we're doing our own thing but that's my little piece on that. No, it's, it's absolutely spot on. I mean, to put into context, uh, so Jimmy Owens and there's our stepmom throughout the game on Saturday was just constantly wants to know where she could get the training jacket. And it's, it's apparently it's, it's impossible to get hold of. And you're thinking, it's a major tournament. Like you would surely do a bit of planning ahead and just think, mm, you know, it's good. there's a good chance. If if England if, if England didn't hadn't have done well, I should say, this stuff's going to be in demand, and it's it just I find it, yeah, 
baffling, but unfortunately not not surprising at the same time that it wasn't done to to the level that we would expect. Um, hopefully they 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 get their asses again in in future tournaments or in future games and get these things sorted. But yeah, it it shouldn't have been an issue to begin with. Uh, but I agree that the, the more deal of it from the FA, I think should have been made and a sterner stance on it. But as you say, football money talks. I'm sure there was some agreement in there that would have got it sorted. But uh, hopefully the, uh, whoever's after a shirt can get their hands on one at some point. And failing that, Matt, they'll be able to um, possibly buy one off the same site you got your wrestling t-shirt from. And it will arrive yeah, it might take you four weeks four to get months. here. <laughs> um, It'll be here in time for the Euros. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if you order now, you might have a bite. Depends on which Euros you mean. But yeah, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> that might need a bit of context, yeah. that joke, but yeah. we'll wow. leave it. <laughs> yeah, Matt bought a wrestling shirt. It's taken a long time to get here. Um, I think it's well, I, I, I bought it as... not realising it was coming from the far west of China. So that's probably why I was a bit shocked when it said delivery grand take three weeks. Yeah. It probably is going to take more than that, but wait and see. And uh, it's shipping difficult. updates now look yeah. like my weekly shopping receipt. There's a lot yes. of updates. There's a lot of updates. A lot. I mean, fair play to them. Yeah. They're keeping me up to date. A bit too up to date, some might say. But there you go. Anyway, Jim, sorry, carry on. No, it's all right. No, I think it's shocking from Nike and it almost feels a little bit and I mean, this is maybe a little bit tin hat of me, a little bit uh, calculated in that if they just had released the women's shirt at the beginning of the World Cup, people might have bought it in dribs and drabs, but they've almost banked on England doing quite well and gone, hold back, hold back, right, everyone's going to want this, boom, release it. And then everyone's, and it's going to be like massively demanded. Whereas what normally happens after a tournament is the, sh- the, sh- the shirts drop in price. But they can charge whatever they want now for the England women's goalkeeper shirt because. Because it's not been on sale during the World Cup, which again it sounds ridiculous. Imagine if you know Jordan Pickford or Aaron Ramsdale were, you know, they, you know, theirs couldn't be worn or whichever nation, whether it be Ireland or the US or France, Brazil, if you couldn't buy that goalkeeper top during a men's World Cup, that would be absolutely insane. So I do find the premise of it bizarre that you can't buy a nation's shirt, basically, or a you know goalkeeper top during the major tournament. It does make you wonder, kind of, why such an oversight has been made by Nike, especially considering they're releasing new kits for clubs like every single season. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say this to rag on Liverpool, um, FC at all, but their new shirt isn't that different to the old one. What is the effort that's gone into it? You put a white collar into it, um, like a turtleneck type collar, and that's it. Compared to last season's shirt, it's a lot of people have gone. What's the difference between the new and the old shirt, particularly? And I think. It's it's max of laziness and also just kind of like minimal effort for maximum profit. For Nike, you know, they can get away with basically anything. Um, and I like Nike stuff. I like Nike gear. You know, my running shoes sometimes are Nike. I like Nike. I like the gear they put out. But if it's going to be, we're not sponsored by anyone. They're not going to be listening. They're not going to suddenly stop me from going to the Nike store. But I do feel it's somewhat calculated. They think they can kind of just charge a premium now because it's like limited edition. Releasing the women's goalkeeper top. And it's like, well, it should have been here the whole time. Should have been out months beforehand when the kids were released. Well, I mean, also the issue you're going to have with that is there are some arseholes in this world that are going to try and buy them up as much as possible and sell them second man for double the cost and take the profit, which you know is happens Absolutely. with all things of that nature. You know, concert tickets are a good example. I always think of best example, and then it takes it away from the people that genuinely want to want to get a shirt, not buying them for profit. Um, but that's what you're going to get. I mean, I've just looked online there. Um, it costs, this is on average, uh, it costs Nike on average £4.79 to produce a shirt. As in the new shirts, the £100 replica, you know, proper pro shirt. So obviously the markdown on that to one of the stadium shirts, let's say £3.80. So, you know, where we're saying, you know, if England hadn't have done well and the shirts were reduced, they're still going to be flogging them at £40, £50 a pop even for the kid size. So it's, yeah, it, there's definitely something more beyond there for me than them just, oh, well, we took our eye off the ball because they're a big, you know, international brand. It's not, you know, at Rovers, we've obviously got Mills who I think produce kits for about four teams and quite often, you know, the, the shirts delayed in, in getting over or shipping or there's a problem. And you can kind of accept that because it's not a big, you know, it probably is one factory where if there is a problem with the supply, then that has a knock-on effect. But 
yeah, we're not we're not talking about you know cowboys here. We're talking about big companies. But anyway, probably enough on uh, Mary Epshire, which by the way is very nice. I think I prefer the pink to the green, um, but that's personal preference. Both very yeah. nice shirts. And what a Both player, nice shirts. by the way. What a keeper. Um, just to touch on another little controversy around the London's World Cup, and I know we won't say too much on this because of the nature of it. Um, obviously, congratulations to Spain, worthy winners, and not just because of the performance on the pitch, but also the issues that have been documented around the coach beforehand and the issues for the players. And you can almost see on the final whistle where the players are celebrating on one side of the field and, and the coaching staff were almost at another side of the field. It was really bizarre. Um, but also the incident that happened with the Spanish FA presidents after the game kissing um i i apologize for the not remember the name of the player on the lips um it was utterly bizarre moment um and i think tying into what was said about opportunities for girls in a safe space what do we do okay this is like one clear bit of a dodgy wrong and in a position of power or a couple of wrong ones but how do we sort of create this culture where it, it it's a safe space but it's just like just let them play and stop making it about, you know, that. How can we create that environment going forward, which a lot of nations are doing really well, but if the world champions and the people involved around the world champions are using that sort of behaviour on the biggest stage, it sets an awful example for, for both boys and girls everywhere that that's seen as acceptable, which obviously it clearly isn't. Yeah, I think... Obviously, there's there's the aspect of you know what's PC and what's not PC and so on. But I obviously when I happened, I didn't to be honest quite click what had happened when I was watching it in the moment. Um, obviously when it's you know popped up on social media and, and things like that. But the first thing that I then thought immediately would be if he was presenting a trophy or in the same position of power and the the men's team had just won the World Cup, what would his reaction have been? So there may have been hugs and whatnot, which was fine. The female players um, seem to be okay with that, and say, you know, uh, congratulations, hug, here's your medal, next person, and so on. I don't think there was an issue with that. Would he have kissed any of the male players on the lips if the person presenting or in in his position of power had been a female? Would she have been kissing male players on the lips or female players on the lips? Probably not. And I think it's it's down for me in terms of that incident. It's down very much to the individual as opposed to the um, the organisation in terms of the Spanish FA. But I do feel like the Spanish FA should now be acting on that. Um, I just, I don't know. I t- take take football out of it for a minute. If he'd have, you know, been out with work colleagues, for instance, at a, a you know birthday party, retirement party or whatever, and he went up to someone on a dance floor and hugged them and kissed them on the lips like that, well, what would the, the punishment or the consequence of that have been? It wouldn't have been brushed under the carpet. And I, I just think, as you say, it's the the game is making such huge strides to equality and rightly so and safe space for both male and female players in order to just go and enjoy the game that we all love so much. And then you get idiots like that in these high paid, you know, public um always in the public eye kind of positions and the, they just go and make an absolute moron of themselves. I just and it, it it doesn't seem to just be the only time. There's always, at some point, contra- controversy at the top. If you look at the, um, I always forget his name, the FIFA president, the fellow who was there the other day in the white shoes. Johnny Infantano, Infantino? Yeah, Infantino. yeah. And you look at like the comments that he made, was it just before the Euros final last year or whatever? And you just, like, you just think, just take a second. Do you know what I mean? Think about what you're saying before you say it and just stop making, it's almost like they have to have, the attention has to be back on them. Um, yeah, it's just it's wrong on all levels, isn't it? Read the room, basically. Yeah, yeah. Read the room. Absolutely. If it, you know, if it was the other way round, and I, I know obviously certain parts of Europe. So I know, for instance, in France, it's um quite a customary thing to kiss someone on both cheeks in a way of greeting them, males, females, any kind of mix of the two, and that that's one thing. But this was this was completely different. It was just that one player everyone else is kind of a hug or a handshake or a pat on the back well done and then that and yeah i mean whether it was a thing of he did it and then realized what he did and then obviously with all of the other players coming through made sure he didn't put himself in that position again i really don't know but good god what a idiot absolute idiot but yeah I'd, I'd, yeah 
Nothing more to yeah, say I on mean, it. I want to apologise. It was Jenny Hermoso. I've just looked it up now. I want to apologise, obviously, if you're not remembering her name. Because um, that, I think, is a vital part of the story that her name is, is remembered in all this. Um, and a little shout-out as well to the goal scorer, Olga, Olga Carmona, um, who had lost her father before the game. She didn't realise to laugh at the game. But I think that's a hell of a... What a bittersweet moment to have been the winning goal scorer in a World Cup final and to be told afterwards, basically, your father passed away before the game. It's extremely emotional and obviously our thoughts are with her and, and all her family um, right now for how, how how tough that must be to want to celebrate this moment. But to, to almost, you know, to, like we know, it's only a game. Some things are far more important. And um, we'll just take one of the questions from... Greg, just as we're on the Women's World Cup, he just asks, um, was there too much pressure on England's women to win this World Cup, do you think? I don't think so. There was expectation that they were going to do well. Um, obviously, you know, Euro- European champions, there, you should be expecting to go on at the tournament. But I don't think, put it this way, when they got to the final, there was many people that I'm aware of that had them as... You know, outright favourites. They might have been expecting, you know, backing them to win the game, but I don't think so. I, I think, you know, it still comes with that element of surprise that an England side is doing well. I look at the men's team in uh, twenty eighteen in the semis, and in the Euros in twenty twenty, well, twenty 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 one, do you want to call it? I think that's still that same environment with the women's team that, even though they have succeeded in the past, that we're still kind of going, okay, well, we never go in with our hopes too high. Um, so I don't think so. They, they, others might disagree. But I personally don't think so. No, I, th- I think you're right, Matt. I think um, there's a difference in kind of expectation and pressure, maybe. I think, obviously, going in at the start, just looking at it from a um, a bookie's perspective, they were one of the favourites. I'd, I'd bet on them myself to go and win it. And that obviously comes on the back end of the success of the Euros last year. I think the pressure that was on them in a way, was kind of a positive pressure, i.e. that the whole of the nation was backing them. And I think in the the men's national side, I think that's lacking a little bit more than it is in the women's at the minute. Whether that's because the the women's national side have been so successful in recent years, and I think maybe people don't have anything to moan about with them, and rightly so. Um, Whereas if you look at it in terms of stark contrast of how the the word failure is not the correct word, the, the women um, not going and winning the World Cup um, and how that's been received as a nation in comparison to when Saka missed the penalty in the men's Euro final and how that was received. One of the things, and this could be me going down a complete rabbit hole, there was another thing that popped up on, um, I think it was on Twitter the other day, and it was a map um, of England highlighting where each of the... Um, women's team were, were born or um, kind of yes, came from yes, within England yes. and their first team as well. And one thing that struck me, now this could be the whole North-South divide thing going completely mad, okay? If you look at the women's side, I would say more than three quarters of the team that represented us at the World Cup were from the Midlands or from the North of England. Now, I don't know whether this is just because the vast majority, and it'll be the same for you, gents, the vast majority of conversations that you will have had about the Women's World Cup will have been from people in and around where we live. In comparison to, and I I know on the Wirral and obviously speaking to people in Liverpool, that sometimes people feel a little bit more disengaged with the male side because it, you know, traditionally is so southern dominated in terms of that, you know, players traditionally have been selected based on who they are as opposed to what they've done. Um and I just I just think I don't know, maybe maybe because things have been going well for the, the women's team, that's obviously why the expectation was there for them to go and do well. But I I don't know. I just feel as a nation we've kind of accepted that they didn't win it, but we've we've kind of been very vocal in terms of how proud we are of what they've achieved. And and maybe as a nation, they could learn a little bit and transfer that over to the men's game, because I do feel like the 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 um the men's national side, some of their failures in in recent years have been because of the amount of negative pressure that's been put on them by obviously fans and by the press. I do feel like the I I personally haven't seen anything 
um, kind of overly negative towards the result and, and obviously not winning it. And I think the, the press as well have been very um, kind of supportive, which which is good to see. We don't often say that. Um, so, yeah, in short, I don't think there was too much pressure. I think it was just in line with expectations and kind of that natural progression of you've won the Euros, now let's go and try and be world, world champions. And they were very, very close to doing it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I think that Euros win is key to it. It's, it's twofold for me, really, the way I view it, in that the Euros win is key last year in that that's been achieved. Therefore, it's not like with the men where there's been 50, 60 years of, oh, we're going to do it this year. Oh, no, we're not. We're out again. Oh, we don't want this one. We're going to win it this time. Oh, no. And there's become like a growing frustration that turns apathy with the men's team amongst certain sections. Certainly, you know, I agree with your deck. You know, we're all from around the world away. The amount of people that certainly over Liverpool that just don't follow the England national team, whether they confuse the England squad with a sort of a political intertwinement that they associate it with political parties and, and areas of the country that are differently aligned to the way that we are and the way we think. I don't know. That's a different conversation to have for a different day. But I think what it's 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 the, the, the Euro success of the women, and I think as well, if we want to grow women's football, which we do, as a nation, we're clearly intent on doing so more so than we already have done. Is we can't afford to be negative about it because that puts people off wanting to participate from a young age. If they read in the press, you know, the women are failures, the women are, have let us down, they've bottled it, whatever. Which, you know, if the men are gone and lost to Spain on Sunday, that's kind of how it would be perceived, I would reckon, which I'm not saying is right, I'm not saying it's fair, but I'm not going to sit here and cry about that because I think because we've had years of met the men being given everything. To succeed and and not doing so, they've had all the possibilities, all the opportunities. Don't get me wrong, stiff competition at the very top end of international football. It's top level international football. It's going to be difficult, but I think you can't afford to be negative about a sport and a game that is emerging. Um, as popular as it is and as big as the crowds have been, it is still emerging. In, certainly, compared to the men's game, and you know, compare this to the US. Uh, women's national team going out in the last 16 and the reporting there, the head coach is sacked. It's been absolute fury in the US that they didn't get beyond the um, last 16 because they've won it four times. The women's teams arguably more popular than the men's team in the US because they are successful, because USA loves to believe they are the best and they are winners and they're number one all the time and they don't like not winning. Um, I mean, no one likes not winning, but you know what I mean? There's a mentality there. They have to be the best at everything. Whereas I think over here, we've kind of accepted, look, if we're going to encourage more girls and we're going to become a better nation in women's football, we're going to have to be really positive, regardless of whether we'd have gone out against Nigeria. Regardless, I mean, I think it would have been different if we'd have gone against Nigeria in fairness on penalties, which was close. But I think to have got to the final, you can't be negative about this as, as much as they didn't perform on Sunday. And they did. Spain were better side. England did not perform. If you're going to be critical, they didn't have enough in them. But yeah, what use it being being critical? Because all you're going to then is do then is put people off actually participating and and want to be a part of it. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches Vacation.com. Yeah, also that's what you want, isn't it? You, it's I think what they're gonna to have to appreciate is the bigger the game gets and develops and more quals the quality that comes into it, is that pressure is gonna come. It's it's gonna naturally come because as you said about the US, the expectation's gonna grow and whether that's gonna be the next European Championships, or if, if if they go and win that again, it comes to the next World Cup. If they don't perform there, that that is going to come. Whether it will come with such scrutiny that the England men's side have had, where a lot of it starts to feel very personal for the media, especially. I don't know if it will get that far. I think they might be. I'm hoping they treat it slightly differently. I hope lessons are learned in that instance. Um, and we obviously. Don't want to repeat of what happened after that Euro 21 final because you know Saka Rashford, um, you know the abuse they received online afterwards was was inhumane, it was mental. Um, and I hope again lessons are learned from that and people are more understanding of it. But they are, as I said before, they're they're a likable side. They've got characters in it, you know. Um, it, that's going to work in their favour. Um, I just hope, like you said, that when that pre- pressure does start to grow, that people aren't as toxic in their response to it. The pressure, the the criticism comes from a purely sport point of view. It's not picking personal things out and that kind of thing. But with that, we'll have to wait and see, unfortunately. But I hope that doesn't happen. No, absolutely. Um, so to round off this segment, really, congratulations to Serena Vigman and the Lionesses. It was close. They did really well. Um, they just... Word. And there's no shame in just losing out to a, what is a wonderful Spain side that you could see from the very beginning of the tournament where we're just a really good footballing side and they continued that right the way through. Um, to move on to part two of tonight, let's talk about the club game. Um, where do we even begin? The Premier League's let's back. Not. Since, since our, yeah, well, yeah, yeah we kind of have to, it's the elephant in the room, it's the big Nilpois elephant in the room, if you're an Everton fan. Um, Premier League's back since our last podcast, obviously. Greg and I did predictions. The Football League is back. It's all English football's just back. Um, back with a, well, depends who you support, bang or whimper. Any Anything that we want to sort of discuss at the moment? Any real talking points from up and down the divisions that really stand out? I think you've got to put Wigan in that list, in that conversation. Amazing start they've had Ooh, under the circumstances. Minus eight, and now they're, yeah, wow. Plus three, plus four? I don't, they're, even, they're even further than that. I can't remember. I think, they would be top, wouldn't they? I think they're on two now. I think they've won three and drawn one, which making ten points. I think would that, would that be top or minus the second? Eight. I think... I think they would be, I think, top because Cambridge are top on nine points at the moment in League One, which Cambridge yeah, is top on League One. For... Yeah, they're currently on exactly. two points, Wigan. So they would have been on ten points. They would have been top. They'd have been top of the league. Exactly. And this is despite the fact they've lost some key players. Um, don't really the bought some talent in. As well. But they're, they're you, you don't think you worry about them is if they do, if they seem to have a pretty strong start eleven, but is that going to be an issue when it comes to you know you're getting into the winter months? Is that going to come back to bite them if they just get injuries and? that they're going to, you know, fall away. But yeah, that, again, their result of Bolton on, on Saturday was was mental. I've got some friends who are Bolton fans, uh, season ticket holders. Ooh. Ooh, controversial, I know. And they couldn't quite believe what was going on. The, the, the game, the stats, if you look at it, the Bolton, uh, sorry, Wigan didn't win it comfortably. I looking at the stats, they just were ruthless and some pretty terrible Bolton defending. Defending, haven't seen, haven't seen the goals. Um, but yeah, what a story that could be if they can, you know, get back after eight point deduction and all sorts. Um, yeah, that was one of the ones I'd seen early on as a pretty incredible story, and it helps they're just down the road for me as well. So I should really get to a game this season if I can. 
Yeah, I think Take Dex. shout out there. Dex Sam Tickle. So, yeah, Dex grinning because Bolton lost 4 0 in a derby game, which naturally. Um, yeah. I mean, if we you've got young. Three, 20... totally, I can't yeah. say anything. Well, yeah, we were there. We'll get on to that, mate, if you want to. We don't have to if you don't want to. Um, young lad Sam Tickle, he's 21, played in goal for Wigan. Also, he's got a great name, Mr. Tickle. Just imagine being a goalkeeper with big, long arms like Mr. Men. But in all seriousness, Absolutely phenomenal. When you've got players like Callum Lang, Stephen Humphreys, Callum McManaman's back there for like the fifth time or something. Charlie White, obviously. I was going to say, I read his name and went, what? Yep. Yep. He's he's gone back again. From the looks. He's doing really well. They're attacking force. The players they've got, Callum Lang's a homegrown Wigan player. I think he's brilliant. You know, they've got those players up front. I mean, I don't know too much about the youngsters that played on Saturday. But even going, you know, to the bench, you've got Josh McGinnis as a centre forward for Northern Ireland. You've got a young lad there, um, Chris C. I think that's how you pronounce it. Who's meant to be quite up and coming. Um, you've got Ben Amos, who's thirty-three. You know, who seems to have been around forever. I can't believe he's the same age as me. That's disappointing. He's been around for feels like fifty years. He's their backup keeper. You know, you've got. You're looking good, Jimmy. Talent. You're looking good. It's all that talent. Not as good as Ben Amos, mate. Every morning uh, for thirty-eight, uh, mate. You're looking I, I, all right. Am, Don't worry about it. I'm, ta- I'm talc-free, you know me. Um, and they're managed by a guy in Sean Maloney, who, okay, he's not done the best job in America or at Hibernian, but has, has got a culture of winning him with Wigan. He's won the FA Cup at Wigan. He played the Cup final. He, um, he's an ex-player. He's dug them out the shit in the Premier League years. I remember the goal against Man United, I think, some years ago, when Martinez was in charge there, that basically kept them up in about 2012. I, I really like what they're doing, um, considering they were on their arse and people were tipping them to go back down, double relegation and... This seems to be the Wigan way, isn't it? They sort of do these days anyway. They sort of go to the championship, go into shit, have financial trouble, get relegated. It all looks hopeless, and then they seem to bang their way back up again, which I hope they do come back because, like you say, they're not far away. It's a good little ground to visit. I quite enjoyed my trip there when I went a few years ago. Um, they're a good club, except when they beat us in the cup quarterfinals, but we won't go into that now. I'm still traumatised 10 years on. But... I, I, yeah, you've you got to say they've been a story across all the top five leagues in terms of not just a hot start, but from where they've come from in the summer, losing key players. And, you know, they've lost the lad, the centre-half to Preston. They've lost obviously Max Powell to Malcolm Sierra in the Saudi second division. Um, amongst other big names as well on that team. They've could have done a good job in League One. Uh, long may it continue. And, you know... With Matramia hat on, if it's at the expense of Bolton, then even better. Sign me up for a Wigan season ticket if that's the case. <laughs>